Good morning and welcome to worship at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here. It's a joy to be with you all in worship. If you're joining with us online, I want to say a special word of welcome to you this day as well. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to, to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other people. And my hope for you today is that you experience that. You really experience that as we worship God and as we grow together in faith. Let me offer a word of prayer this morning as we continue to worship God. God, thank you so much for this day, for your blessings. I pray that as your church worships you here at Kern, that your spirit is lifted up, that you are enriched, and that you open the hearts of each one to receive what you have for them to receive. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. You know, year after year, the Super Bowl is one of or probably the most watched television program uh, of the entire year. In fact, last year's, uh, or I guess this year's Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that, that was earlier this year, Super Bowl 57, was the most watched television telecast in all time in the United States with uh, 115 million viewers. So I, I guess there's a reason uh, that Super Bowl commercials are so expensive. They, they cost between six and seven million dollars for a, for a 30 second spot. And so you know if you've got six or seven million dollars and you want to spend it, uh, this you know I guess you could buy a commercial. But then you you know maybe you have something to show for it or not. But usually you know commercial breaks, except for the Super Bowl, commercial breaks are those times when you go to the bathroom when you refill your drink, or when you go to, to refill the popcorn bowl. And in fact, with streaming services today, so many of us don't even uh, watch commercials, and, and so we, we don't even know what to do when there's an actual commercial break that you have to, to, have to sit through. Um, but the Super Bowl, some people will even claim, and maybe some of you, that you watch the Super Bowl just for the commercials. You don't care about the game, but you're interested in the commercials. And I guess that if you're spending six to seven million dollars for a 30 second spot, you want to make sure it's a really good spot. And so there's a lot of, a lot of effort put into, put into the, the, the Super Bowl commercials. And so maybe, maybe if you're, you're there for the commercials, you view the game time as the time to refill your drink and in preparation for the commercial breaks that are coming because some of them really are really good and you want to make sure you tune in. While commercials though, they're often things that just interrupt the main attraction. They interrupt the main event, the things that you're, you're participating in. Uh, but sometimes I think that commercial breaks provide just what you need. Of course, life doesn't come with its own commercial breaks, uh, but maybe, I think maybe it should. I mean, that would be really, really nice. You see, last year, uh, I think Americans really would love a, a commercial break, would love a break, because last year, three out of five uh, Americans, three out of five people who live in the United States, re reported that they feel more tired than ever. Three out of five uh, uh, folks in, in your life, in your families, in your communities said that they re, re, or say, said that they were more tired than at any other point in their life. And, and this is likely something that you have experienced because nearly half of U.S. adults report to feeling negatively affected by being tired. 
Half of us report that they are negatively affected, that their lives, that their work is negatively affected by being, by being tired. And over three quarters of people report to feeling tired at work. On top of tiredness, stress is another thing that, that really, that really I think people need a break from. And, and the United States is one of the most stressed out nations in the entire world. In fact, um, according to the American Institute of Stress, 55% of Americans report that they are stressed during their day. And if you want to like quantify that, that's about 20% higher than the global average. So the global average is like 35% of people around the globe feel stressed, but you know, we, we Americans like to think they're the best or we are the best, and so I guess we just want to be the most stressed out. And we're pretty close to the top uh, when it comes to being stressed out. And additionally, and this is really difficult, more than a quarter of U.S. adults report that they are so stressed out, so stressed out, that they can't even function. Debilitating stress. They can't even function in daily life. And in the face of the tiredness, and the face of the stress, I really do think it would be nice if life came with a commercial break. A, a time for you just to take a break from the stress, to take a break from the tiredness, and, and to go relax, to have a forced break, a forced break from the stressors and the rigors of life. Now, uh, life doesn't automatically come with these commercial breaks, but taking a break, Taking time to rest is essential in life. I know sometimes it seems as if rest is an indulgence. You know, it's something that I indulge in to take time away. Or, or maybe rest is sometimes seen in the workplace as the enemy of productivity. But rest is essential. Today I want to look at, at one of the most dysfunctional families in the Bible. But today's story is, looks kind of more like a commercial break. A commercial break from the overall stories that we're looking at. And, and, and this may be the best type of commercial break you could ever get. And maybe the type of commercial break you want in your life because it's a commercial break from God. It's a break from the rigors of life that comes straight from, straight from God. And this type of break, this type of break provides a kind of rest that God uses, that God uses to refocus and to recharge. You know, throughout the month of July, we've been looking, we've been looking and following and learning from one of the most dysfunctional families in the Bible, the, the family, the descendants of Abraham, the family of Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau. And my hope, as we've been looking at these stories, my hope is that if you've been with us, that, that you've been able to understand their family story. And as you understand their family story, perhaps you've been able to, to learn a few lessons to help your own family and to help your own, your own life. So if you want to consider this family story, it's found in the middle of the book of Genesis. And Genesis is, is the first chapter, first chapter in the Bible. It's the first book in the Bible. And, and Genesis kind of tells the story of how God formed humanity, how God shaped humanity, and how God shaped God's relationship with humanity, and, and how God entered into relationship with the people of God time and time again. And so what's happened so far, if you weren't with us the past couple of weeks, what's happened so far is that we met a family, and we learned about how this family met, and we learned about an intense 
sibling rivalry. So, so these two people, Isaac and Rebekah, they were married, and then they had twin sons. And these sons were named Jacob and Esau, and Jacob and Esau were major rivals. Think the, the biggest fight, if you have siblings, think about the biggest fight you ever had with your siblings, and uh, except for some extremes, the, the rivalry between Isaac, or between Jacob and Esau is worse than the biggest fight you ever had with your own sibling. On two occasions, we read about how Jacob used deceit and, and like lying to steal something that was Esau's. And, and Jacob got rewarded for this trickery. And, and ultimately, Jacob tricked his father, his father Isaac into giving him a blessing that was meant for his older brother, for Esau. And, and the idea that, that he, got, he got a blessing that wasn't his, that may seem like not even that big of a deal to you. It's not like he got a car or a house that wasn't his. He, he got a blessing that wasn't his. But in, in the ancient world, this was a huge deal. This was the, the equivalent of receiving the entire inheritance or receiving something of, of such significant worth that, that, the other, that was supposed to be for the other brother. The offense is so severe that Esau, the older brother, sets his mind to kill his younger brother, Jacob. So the, the offense is so large, the rivalry is so large, that, that they decide that Esau's like, I'm going to kill my brother. Now, perhaps you, growing up, you might have told your sibling out of rage, I'm going to kill you. Um, and hopefully that hasn't happened, but, but, but perhaps you could imagine a scenario so severe where, where this would happen. You can, if you want to follow along in your own Bible, I'm going to be looking just at the beginning at, at Genesis chapter 27, beginning in verse 41, where we read about how angry Esau is at his brother Jacob. So we read this, that, that Esau was furious at Jacob because his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, when the period of mourning for the death of my father is over, I will kill my brother. Now the father isn't dead yet, and so he's like, once my dad dies, because this will hurt my father's feelings, once my dad dies and once we've mourned his death, I am going to kill my brother. I'm going to kill him. But the thing that happens is, is their mother, Rebecca, learns about this and she wants to help protect the younger child, Jacob. And, and you read further on in verse 42 that Rebecca was told what her older son Esau was planning. And so she summoned her younger son, Jacob, and said to him that Esau, your brother, is planning revenge and he plans to kill you. So now, my son, she's talking to Jacob, now, my son, listen to me. Get up and escape to my brother Laban and Haran. So he says, she says to him, get up and, and get out of here. Get out of town. Go visit, go visit my family. Go visit, go visit your family in, a, in, in Haran. Live with him for a short while until your brother's rage subsides, until your brother's anger at you goes away and he forgets what you did to him. Then I will send for you and bring you back from there. Why should I suffer the loss of both of you in one day? She's probably worried that if they get at each other, that if they start fighting like this, that she's going to lose two sons. That, 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 that she might lose two sons to death in the midst of the squabble. 
So she sends and gets for her husband Isaac and tells Isaac what's happening and that she wants Jacob to go to the homeland where she's from, where they really both are from. And, and she can make a, a good time about this because he can find a wife while he's out there and start his own family. And so Rebecca and Isaac send Jacob away to go live with live with her family, and try to start a family of his own. So basically, Jacob is fleeing for his life. He's on the run, and, and, and he is, is fleeing. He, he needs to get as far away from his brother Esau. He needs to get out of danger as quickly as possible to this other town. But even as he is fleeing, even as he's on the run, he takes time to pause, and he takes time to rest. He shouldn't do this. He should get as far away as possible, but he takes time to rest. Now, you, have met, you may have never had to flee for your life, but as I talk to, to many of you, I hear time and again that, that you are in situations or have been in situations where you have just been so incredibly busy, where the, where the stressors of life just just pile on time and again, where you're tired and full of stress in a way that's just hard to manage, and though you may not be fleeing from anything in particular, it seems as if deadlines and your appointments and your to-do list are just out to get you. And in the midst of this, in the midst of this, it's easy to think, I have to keep working. I have to keep at it. I have to keep checking off the list. I have to keep doing this. I have to keep working. Or uh, because, it, because you can't rest, you feel like, because you don't have enough time. But in the midst of Jacob's struggle, in the midst of his stress, in the midst of his tiredness, in the midst of his fling, he does take a break. And it is during this break that something amazing and world-changing happens. During this break, this rest, he begins to find purpose and he begins to find reassurance. During, during this time, what, what I want you to see as we look at what happens to Jacob, I want you to see here is that, is that through rest, God can help refocus and recharge you for the work ahead. God can help refocus and recharge you through rest. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 28, beginning in verse 10. Here we read this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. So he's on the run. He's trying to get away from where they are to go to this new place. He is on the run. And then we read that he reached a certain place and he spent the night there. A certain place. He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's not at a town. He's not at an inn. He is on the run in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And he spends the night there. When the sun had set, he took one of the stones at that place and put it near his head, and he lay down there. So he puts a stone up by his head, maybe to offer some protection, some camouflage, whatever he's trying to do to try to try to protect himself. He could have kept running through the night. And he could have kept doing that. But here he is in the middle of nowhere at dusk, and he's like, you know what? I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm going to take a break. So, so he takes a stone and, and he puts it there to provide some protection, lays down to rest. And, and as he is resting, we learn that God gives him a vision. And it's through this vision that he will find refocus and he will be able to be recharged. We find this in the next verse, in, in verse 12. We read that, that Jacob dreamed and saw a raised staircase. Its foundation on the earth and its top touching the sky. And God's messengers were ascending and descending on it. And suddenly, the Lord was standing on it, saying, I am the Lord. 
I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are laying. Your descendants will become like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, the east, the north, and the south, and every family of the earth will be blessed because of you and your descendants. I am with you now. I will protect you everywhere you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done everything that I have promised you. Now remember, Jacob is on the run for his life because of his deception and his trickery. He's an outlaw. But in this vision, something amazing happens. Something really amazing happens. He sees some type of staircase. This is often referred to a ladder. This story is often referred to as Jacob's Ladder in English. And this staircase reaches from the earth up to the skies, up just, just incredibly high. It, it's really a stairway to heaven. I mean, this is, this is what, what we're talking about here, okay? And, and he sees these messengers, these angels coming to and fro, going up the ladder and down the ladder, up the staircase and down the staircase, and then the Lord appears. Then God appears. And God begins to speak. Okay, at this point you may be thinking, you know, Jacob is hallucinating. He's tired, he's hit his head on the rock that he, you know, is meant to, to protect him. Maybe he's hallucinating, or maybe you think he's just having a vivid dream, and, and it's, it's just this, like this vivid night dream that he's having. Uh, but, but whatever, whatever's going on, he, he, he sees this. He sees this. And, and he's at such a low point in his life, and something is happening here. Something is happening here. And, and, and the Lord appears. And what happens is through this dream, however the origin of the dream, He is able to find refocus and recharging for the task ahead. I want you to know that, that you may never hear God speak to you in the, in the way that Jacob heard God speak to him. But, but in moments of rest, in moments of real rest, God... God wants for you to experience an encounter with God similar to what Jacob experienced. God wants you to encounter an experience with God that provides refocus and that provides rest. So what happens is that God speaks to Jacob and and gives him a promise. And amongst other things, God says, I am with you now. This is verse 15. I am with you now. I will protect you everywhere you go. And I will give you back, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done everything that I have promised you. I love this promise. God tells this outlaw, this guy running for his life as he rests, I am with you now, and I will be with you everywhere you go. And Jacob was at this low point of his life, and, and perhaps he thought he'd lost everything in life. Perhaps he thought he lost, he had nothing left. He's on the run from his brother. He's lost his mother. He's lost his father, who's near death. He's traveling alone in the desert. He doesn't have any friends with him. He doesn't have any companions with him. He's by himself. And, and in the midst of this low point, when he thinks that he is all alone, he has nothing else left to live for, God comes to him and reassures him and says, I am with you. I will not leave you. And through this rest, through this rest, God refocuses and recharges Jacob for the work that is ahead. 
And we learn that it has a profound impact on Jacob because in verse 16, we, we kind of uh, get close to finishing up the story because we read that, that Jacob woke up next. He woke up from his sleep and he thought to himself, the Lord is definitely in this place. But I didn't know it. You know, that's the way it works with God sometimes. You may be somewhere, and, and it may just be some random place, and you may not even be thinking about God. Jacob wasn't thinking about God. He was just knew that he was tired, and he laid down. And, but, but in the midst of it, Jacob realizes that God is here. And maybe you are in a place in your life where you're not sure if God is there. But, 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 but God can, can reveal God's self all the same, and that's what happens to Jacob. The Lord was definitely in this place, even though I didn't know it. He was terrified and thought, this sacred place is awesome. It's none other than God's house and the entrance to heaven. And after Jacob got up early in the morning, we read that he took the stone that he had put near his head and set it up as a sacred pillar and poured oil over top of it. And he named that sacred place Bethel. Though Lutz was the city's original name. And Jacob made a solemn promise, if God is with me, and protects me on this trip that I'm taking, and gives me bread to eat and clothes to wear, and I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And, and this stone that I've set up as a sacred pillar will be God's house, and of everything you give me, I will give a tenth back to you. Through rest, through rest, God helps Jacob refocus. No longer is it just about Jacob fleeing for his life. No longer is it just about the stress and anxieties there. But now he realizes that God, God himself is with him. And so he worships God and realizes that this place is, is God's place. And God recharges Jacob for the journey ahead. And Jacob promises to respond in a way that he hopes and that he views will bless, will bless God. You know, I think maybe I'm preaching this sermon to myself because I'm somebody that finds it difficult to rest. I fall asleep pretty easily, but I find it difficult to rest. You see, I, one of the ways that, that I sabotage myself is that I tend to be a hyper-achiever, which means that, that I have a tendency to focus on, on work and on my ability to do things or to fix things. And now you may be thinking that this is kind of a humble brag, but I promise you it's not. Because when I, when I focus in this way, when I focus in on this, it means that I have a tendency to do the work myself. It means I have a tendency to exclude others from the work and just to focus on achieving the things that I think need to be done. And one of the problems with this is that you're never satisfied if you're always trying to achieve something. You're never satisfied because if, because if the thing you're trying to achieve is actually achieved, then you're satisfied for a moment, but then you think about, oh, what happens if it fails? Or, or oh, what happens if I don't keep working? Or, oh, what happens if, what about the next thing? I can lie to myself and, and I can tell myself that this is a positive thing, but let me tell you it is, it is not. It means that, that even when I attempt to take time away, I can't help but, but thinking through and worrying about and working on the things that, that I view are important, whether it's for our church, or for the mission of God, or whether it's a, a personal project. It means that, that my relationships can suffer and that I can get grumpy or, or unhappy if I am not working and in the midst of this. And this can be okay for a season. I mean, it can, can kind of be okay to, to work in your not best self for a season or a period of time, but it's not sustainable for the long term. 
And when you work in this way, it can sabotage productivity too because you aren't able to refocus and recharge in healthy ways. So because of this, I have to be intentional about finding ways to rest. I have to be intentional about finding ways to refocus and recharge. I mean, this summer I, I've done it by, by, or I've at least I tried to do it by being in nature more and and being connected to other to other people more. And these these moments for myself have been such such a blessing. But you see, if you never rest, if you really never rest, you're never going to have a chance to receive the refocus and the recharge that God wants from you. If you never rest, you're never going to get all of what God wants for you. And God wants for you to have a commercial break like Jacob from the stress and the anxieties of life. God wants you to have this break, this rest like Jacob, so that you can be blessed in ways that provide refocus and recharge in your life. And taking time to rest, I want you to know it's not just about sleep. In a TED Talk about this, the Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith this is kind of a, a famous TED Talk, I think, but uh, she, she shares about this. She's done a lot of work as it relates to rest and sleep. And, and she says, have you ever tried to fix your chronic lack of energy only to wake up still feeling exhausted? It's like you go to sleep and you wake up still feeling exhausted. If that's you, you might have sleep apnea. But if that's you, it also might be due to something else. She says, if that's you, here's the secret. Sleep and rest are not the same thing. It's easy to think, oh, I need to get enough sleep. Oh, I need to sleep more. But sleep and rest really aren't the same thing. She then says, we have dumbed down rest to the point that it feels ineffective. So if the only thing, only way you know how to rest is just to sleep, then, then it's not helping and it's not doing the things that you need in your life. It's, it's become ineffective. Rest isn't just about sleep. It's about a break from the normal routine. It's about, it's about things that have a deeper meaning than just sleep. Dr. Dalton Smith, in her work, she, she identifies actually seven types of rest that everyone needs. She says everyone needs mental rest and spiritual rest and emotional rest, and social rest, and, and sensory rest, and creative rest, and physical rest. I mean, you need rest and different types of rest in your life. And, and you don't just see this in, in, in God providing, and you don't just see this need for rest and God providing refocus and recharge uh, through rest in Jacob. I mean, this is something that's found all throughout the Bible, all throughout the stories of the Bible. There are examples of God telling people that it's important to rest. There are examples of God telling people how they need to rest and, and use that rest to help refocus and recharge their lives. During the time that, that Jesus walked the earth, He too knew how important rest was. Often if you look at Jesus, and, and Christians believe that Jesus was fully God and fully human, but, but Jesus took time to rest. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, he's one often withdrawing to a place or withdrawing away from people so that he can rest and so that he can pray and be recharged and reconnected with God. And he knew how important rest was, and he also knew that it was hard. It was hard for you to rest. It was hard for people to rest. So one time he's teaching, and he gives people an invitation to rest. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew records this in, in verses 28 and 29, he says, come to me, all of you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. 
Jesus knows it's important to rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble and you will find rest for yourself. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. I mean, friends, God knows you are carrying a heavy load. God knows that even though you may not be running for your life, you are carrying heavy loads. God knows the tiredness of people. God knows the tiredness of of perhaps you are facing today. God knows the stress that you carry. And God wants to give you rest. God wants you to learn God's gentle and humble ways. And God wants you to find rest for yourself. And God wants to use that rest to bring recharge and refocus into your weary life. So find rest. Pull up that rock. Pull up that rock by your head and allow yourself to rest. You don't even have to to have an agenda about this whole rest thing. I mean, Jacob didn't know where he was. He had no agenda. He just knew he was exhausted. You don't have to have an agenda for the time of rest. But after you do it, in the midst of it, you might find that God does have an agenda. That God has a purpose for this. God might just use this rest to bless you in unexpected ways. Ways that you had never imagined. And so imagine. Imagine what it would be like. Imagine what it would be like if, if we all rest in the ways that, that we find in the Bible. If we find that rest and recharge that we read about in Scripture, what God could do if people really rested today. If we were a church that, that realizes that, that, that what we do and our work in the community and our work to bless others and bring each other into a life-saving relationship with Jesus, what if we really realized that it didn't all depend on me? Where it didn't all depend on you, but it depended on God. And, and God was the one that was inviting us to participate and inviting us to rest and inviting us to be recharged and refocused. And so you take time to rest. And as you take time to rest, you find refocus and recharge in the heart of God. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You that in the midst of our crazy lives that, that You invite us to rest our weary heads. You invite us to a place of, of, of rest and, and recuperation, of refocus and renewal. And so I pray in this moment, O oh God, that You will, 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 will speak words of rest into the hearts of Your people. That everyone who hears these words, that You will open their hearts and open their beings to, to moments of rest. And maybe people don't even know, and maybe we don't even know what that means or even really how to rest, but You would show us. You would show us Your unforced patterns of of life and work and rest. And You, O God, You, O God, would provide refocus and recharge in the midst of us. Help us rest. Help each one find rest in You. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Dear ones, go with the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Find that rest that God can use to recharge you and refocus you in this life for the work ahead. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.